SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Camaragal people and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water. Yura Damarang, I'm your host Luana Grant and welcome to NITV Radio for this Monday the 30th of October. Coming up on today's show, we share a story about classical music night Play On that presents violinist Kayla Matsura-Miller in a program of new commissions for violin and electronics by Australian composers that also includes Noongar man Aaron Wyatt, a violin player, composer and conductor, also the first Indigenous person to conduct one of the major orchestras in Australia, including the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. I also caught up with Aussie hip-hop artist Radical Sun, also known as David Leaha, who has recently released his new track, Until You Call My Name. And to coincide with World Sight Day this month, the Hoyts Group announced its partnership with international health organisation, the Fred Hollows Foundation. I caught up with Jody Payton, the Chief People Officer at the Hoyts Group, to chat more about the partnership between them and the Fred Hollows Foundation and how they are planning on working together to close the gap in eye health for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. All these stories and more coming to you after the latest news. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy erected outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. In this bulletin, Israeli forces begin to encircle Gaza's main city. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese says upcoming China trip is about broadening Australia's relationships. And thousands of people have gathered in Sydney yesterday to support the Palestinian and Israeli people amid the ongoing Middle Eastern conflict. Israel has signalled its intent to encircle Gaza's main city, publishing pictures of battle tanks on the Palestinian enclave's western coast, 48 hours after ordering expanded ground incursions across its eastern border. Israel's self-declared second phase of a three-week war against Hamas militants had initially been kept from public view, with forces moving under darkness and telecommunications blackout cutting off Palestinians. Meanwhile, the Palestinian Red Crescent says it has received warnings from Israeli authorities to immediately evacuate Al-Quds hospital in the Gaza Strip, adding that raids had taken place just 50 metres from the facility. The Red Crescent says around 14,000 people have sought shelter at the hospital from Israeli airstrikes and released a video of what it said was the hospital. The location has been confirmed from buildings and building characteristics seen in the video, which matched satellite and file imagery of the area, with the timing of the footage not being verified. The Palestinian Red Crescent's Nabal Fashak says it's impossible for them to evacuate. 
We don't have the means to evacuate Al-Quds Hospital. We have over 400 patients who are inside the hospital. Many of them are in the intensive care unit. Evacuating them means killing them. That's why we refuse the evacuation order. We call on the international community to intervene immediately to stop a humanitarian catastrophe that is unfolding. Thousands of people have gathered in Sydney yesterday to support the Palestinian and Israeli people among the ongoing Middle Eastern conflict. As the bombardment of the Gaza Strip remains persistent and Hamas militants continue to fire rockets into Israel, those who stand in solidarity have made their voices heard. Ethan Lyons, a Wiradjuri activist, says First Nations people and Palestinians have a shared struggle. Beneath the status quo friendship of Australia and Israel, First Nations Australians and Palestinians are linked through a shared history of struggle against colonialism, genocide and oppression. None of us are free until we are all free. Wiradjuri to the West Bank, Ganukul to Gaza, our invasion day to your Nakba, Palestine will be free. Meanwhile, earlier in the day, a rally was organised by pro-Israel groups demanding the return of hostages held by Hamas in Gaza. Josh Burns, the Labor MP for McNamara, says his community is broken-hearted. Well, I think everyone here today is just standing with a bit of a broken heart, trying to send a message that the people of Israel are not alone and that the Jewish community here in Australia and the people of Caulfield stand with them. Social Services Minister Amanda Rishworth says that while the federal government is not afraid to disagree with China on certain important issues, the country remains Australia's most significant trading partner. It comes just a few days before Prime Minister Anthony Albanese's trip to Beijing, where he will meet with Chinese President Xi Jinping. Ms Rishworth told Channel 7 that the Prime Minister's trip is important to help stabilise the relationship between the two nations. As a country and and as a government, we've been pretty clear uh, that when we disagree uh, with uh, things that China says or does, we will speak out against it. But we will also be very clear that where we can cooperate, we will. And I think that's really important for our national interest. Um, China is still our largest trading partner. The International Criminal Court's top prosecutor says impeding relief supplies to Gaza's population may constitute as a crime. Aid supplies to Gaza have been minimal since Israel began bombarding the densely populated Palestinian enclave in response to a deadly attack by its ruling militant group Hamas on October 7. Small fleets of 20 to 30 trucks carrying food and aid have been permitted through Egypt's border with Gaza in recent days, but these are far below the 450 trucks on average that would enter the Strip before the conflict began. United Nations officials have said the aid supplies are limited and do not correspond to the huge need on the ground. ICC prosecutor Karim Khan says Israel must make immediate efforts to ensure civilians receive adequate supplies. And I want to underline clearly to Israel that there must be discernible efforts without further delay to make sure civilians receive basic food, medicine. We hear reports of operations taking place without these basic medicines as if we're in the Middle Ages. In this regard, I have to say that Israel has clear obligations, not just moral obligations but legal obligations, to comply with the laws of armed conflict. 
national security and foreign policy advisers from over 60 countries, but not including Russia, have attended a two-day summit in Malta to discuss a peace plan for Ukraine. The two-day meeting of national security delegates is the third round of such talks in recent months. Ukraine sees them as an opportunity to win support for President Vladimir Zelensky's 10-point peace plan from countries across the globe, especially as the conflict in the Middle East risks shifting the focus away from Ukraine. Russia, which wasn't invited to any of the meetings, has dismissed the initiative as biased. Mr Zelensky says the majority of nations participating in the security summit are slowly moving towards an agreement. Last year, when I first presented the formula, the world was still discussing different visions, quite different approaches to restoring our state order and honest peace. And the world majority is gradually uniting around a common and just vision, which is reflected in the peace formula. World unity is what is really needed for the aggressors to lose. Matthew Perry fans made their way to the late actor's home in Los Angeles to pay their respects. The Emmy-nominated actor who played Chandler Bing on popular 90s sitcom Friends has died at 54. The actor was found dead at his home, according to coroner's records. An investigation into his death is ongoing, and it may take weeks before his cause of death is determined. One fan says the actor and the show helped her get through many difficulties in her life. I used to be sad, so my dad used to come up to me and be like, Mom, I put friends on for you, friends is on TV for you. Go upstairs, because they, they knew that that was my happy place. So that they did help me get through my sad moments in life, the show in particular. But Chandler, he's he a legacy. Most of Queensland is under a total fire ban as crews battle almost 100 fires across the state, many at watch and act alert level. A fire at Landsborough on the Sunshine Coast has moved between emergency and watch and act for days. An evacuation order was in place for three hours on Saturday and residents were again told to leave on Sunday afternoon as the blaze broke containment lines. About 80 fires are burning across Queensland with dozens of homes destroyed and several lives lost. Further south in New South Wales, the Rural Fire Service has declared a total fire ban for the majority of the state for Monday, with hot, dry and windy conditions on the way, and temperatures expected to climb into the high 30s in several areas. In rugby, Eddie Jones has resigned as coach of the Wallabies less than a month after Australia's World Cup campaign, when the team failed to make the quarterfinals for the first time in history. The departure comes 10 months into his five-year contract. The 63-year-old met with Rugby Australia bosses on the weekend and amicably agreed to his departure. He told the Sydney Morning Herald that a lack of money, strategy and agreement on changes to be made were the reasons he quit. And now for a look at today's weather. Broome, mostly sunny 34. Perth, sunny 24. Adelaide, a shower or two, 19. Melbourne, showers increasing 21. Hobart, a shower or two, 18. Aubrey-Wodonga, cloudy 22. Canberra, becoming windy, sunny 27. Wollongong, partly cloudy 30. Sydney, partly cloudy 33. Newcastle, sunny 31. Brisbane, sunny 28. Townsville, mostly sunny 30. Cairns, partly cloudy 31. Alice Springs, mostly sunny 40. Darwin, a shower or two, 35. And the Torres Strait Islands, partly cloudy 32. And that is NITV Radio News.
Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Coinciding with World Sight Day, Hoyt's Group announced its partnership with international health organisation, the Fred Hollows Foundation. And today I'm pleased to be joined by Chief People Officer of the Hoyt's Group, Jodie Payton. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Firstly, for everyone listening, can you give us a quick overview of the Hoyt's Group and the work you do, and also a little bit about the Fred Hollows Foundation? Yeah, sure. So um, Hoyt's uh, Cinemas, so we have uh, 59 cinema locations across Australia and New Zealand, um, and we have about 20 million uh, visitors to our cinemas each year. So a huge amount of of movies that are screened uh, on each of our cinemas each year. Uh, And also part of our Hoyt's group family is the Val Morgan business. So we do have uh, Val Morgan advertising through our cinema channels, our outdoor advertising, and also through our digital assets as well. Uh, So across the group, we've got about 3,000 employees, um, primarily based in Sydney and Melbourne, but certainly uh, across each of the uh, metropolitan areas of Australia and in the North and South Island in New Zealand as well. Uh, And the Fred Hollows Foundation, um, we we actually started working with them uh, only really quite recently. We we kind of saw a really um, tight alignment with 
um, sharing our vision of a world where everyone has the opportunity to see the big picture and that aligns very nicely with our brand positioning of see the big picture. So the work that they do, um, particularly in terms of their work with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, uh, in terms of restoring sight and supporting their communities was a real alignment for us. So it, um, it made a lot of sense. Mm, and as I mentioned at the start of the interview, uh, the Hoyts Group has collaborated with the Fred Hollis Foundation. Are you able to talk us through this partnership and collaboration and how did it come about initially? Yeah, sure. So we started talking with Fred Hollows a few months ago um, and, and at that same time we had really thought about uh, uh, repositioning our brand uh, around that um, brand positioning of See the Big Picture. Um, we saw the work that Fred Hollows were doing. We're also um, in the development of our first reconciliation action plan. So we were looking for a partner that would um, that we would be able to assist in terms of supporting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples uh, in, in Australia in particular. And so saw a really nice alignment between um, the, the work that Fred Hollows are doing and um, our intentions of the, the support that we're, we're looking to be able to provide. So the partnership really does um, go hand in hand where we will work close um, with the Fred Hollows Foundation, particularly in terms of that closing of the, the gap in eye health for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who are currently three times more likely uh, to go blind than other Australians. And through that, there will be um, a number of different areas of the partnership around uh, employee education and engagement, uh, in-kind media support through our own channels uh, to be able to help them to raise public awareness, to be able to really amplify that support as well. Yeah, and are you able to talk a little bit more in depth about how you guys are working together? I know you mentioned the employee education and engagement partnership that you've got. And are there any other avenues that you're working on with them as well? Yeah, so through the partnership, um, we've been able to access um, some of their experts who work um, particularly out in those Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. Uh, and through that, we'll be able to really um, increase our cultural awareness training through our employees. Um, so that's certainly that's something that's really important to us uh, in terms of our um, sustainability strategy, certainly through our, our social pillar uh, and our reconciliation action plan. So that was something that really tied in nicely for us to be able to not only amplify the support that the foundation um, of the foundation, sorry, uh, from a, a public awareness perspective, but certainly in terms of what we could do internally through that um, that awareness um, uh, as well. In, in terms of some other activities, we, we have a workplace giving program, so our employees will be able to um, donate to the foundation through uh, pre-tax um, activities uh, and also volunteering as well. So whether that be skilled volunteering or through different um, activities that the, the Fred Hollow Foundation um, uh, campaigns are, are looking at throughout the year, then we'll have the opportunity to have our employees involved in those as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I was just about to ask you about the Workplace Giving Program, so you beat mm -hmm. me to it. <laughs> um, and just finally, can you just talk us through, I know you did mention before um, Hoyt's brand positioning, see the big picture. How mm -hmm. Can you just talk a little bit more finally about how this drives the company's vision and obviously how this is aligning with your partnership with the Fred Hollows Foundation and where you see it going into the future? What what kind of outcomes do you want to see through this partnership and how it's going to drive the company's vision? 
Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about see the big picture, we're really thinking about um, uh, kind of talking to, you know, when we look at it from a cinema perspective, it's more than just looking at a screen. We're really thinking about that passion for delivering big emotional experiences. And when we think about that from an internal perspective, you know, we look at our employee value proposition as our people being big picture people. So that is really incorporating, you know, what what can we do in terms of um, having a more positive impact in the communities in which we operate, for example, or how can we ensure that our employees, um, we know uh, a lot of our employees um, for them, this is their first job. So really wanting to kind of set the tone for them from a, a career perspective in terms of that real philanthropy, you know, we want them to be embedded in volunteering and workplace giving as part of just what a good employer does so that when they um, finish potentially their, you know, their school or, or university job with us, if they go on to their career in another um, in another business, they're kind of taking that mindset with them and we feel that real obligation as a, a you know, a kind of a, a primary employer of young people to be able to really embed that mindset in the way that it kind of sets up their career in the future. So it's more than just, you know, a, a cinema screen, see the big picture for us from an internal perspective. It's about what can we do for our people to be able to get them to, to see the big picture as well. Yeah, great. Amazing. And I'm really excited to hear about this partnership and, you know, the Hoyts Group and Fred Hollows Foundation are doing great work. So it's good to see you guys collaborating. And thank you so much, Jodie, for coming on to NITV Radio to have a chat. Thank you so much for having me. We're definitely looking forward to the partnership as well. And that was Jodie Payton, the Chief People Officer at the Hoyts Group, who have partnered with the Fred Hollows Foundation as they work together to close the gap in eye health for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Still to come on the show, I chat to hip-hop artist Radical Sun, who has recently released his new track, Until You Call My Name, and NITV Radio chats to violinist Kayla Matsura-Miller, who is part of a group of new commissions for violin and electronics by Australian composers that also includes Noongar man Aaron Wyatt. We'll be back with more after the short break. Your community, your conversation. NITV Radio. Welcome back. I'm your host, Luana Grant. Classical Music Night Play On presents violinist Kayla Matsura-Miller in a program of new commissions for violin and electronics by Australian composers. That also includes Noongar man Aaron Wyatt, a viola player, composer and conductor, also the first Indigenous person to conduct one of the major orchestras in Australia, conducting the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Growing up playing classical music in Australia, Kayla rarely came across music composers that looked like her. When she won one of Australia's top music prizes in 2021, the Freedom Man Fellowship, she decided to use the prize money to commission three Australian composers of colour to write new music for her to perform. NITV Radio's Bertrand Tungandami has more. Well, Kayla Matsura-Miller, welcome to NITV Radio. Hello, Bertrand. Thank you very much for having me today. Now, we're catching up ahead of a program that uh, you've put together, a commission of uh, violin and electronics by Australian composers Sia Ahmad, Aaron Wyatt and Kitty Shao. This is a 
groundbreaking event because uh, it's very rare to find uh, people of color united uh, in one evening of classic music. How did this uh, idea of bringing these uh, three musicians together come about? The idea initially came about when I was um, shortlisted for a fellowship called the Freedman Classical Fellowship, where a young emerging musician can put forward a project for their instrument. I'm a violinist. And I thought very long and hard about what I would like to do with the um, the money allocated and with the platform to speak. Um, for the longest time as a classical violinist, it's been a real challenge and something to reflect upon how I would like to use my music, not just to create great art, but also to do something that reflects my political views. I'm of the opinion that making art is something that is an inherently political act. And um, it was only when I actually watched an episode of Ando's Brush with Fame, which I'm sure many people are very, um, very familiar with, I was just so inspired by the, um, the frank and personable way in which um, Ando and his subjects that he was painting uh, would talk about life, about its complexities, about the challenges and the celebrations. And I realized that to be able to sort of provide a backdrop and a platform to raise um, the voices of uh, black indigenous and people of color, um, people in the composing space, um, that was what I wanted to do. So when I won the fellowship, that was what I decided to do. And uh, the show is coming together at a very unusual place for classical music, uh, the Abbotsford Convent. Well, um, Abbotsford Convent is actually home to uh, the Australian National Academy of Music and it's also home to uh, 3MBS, our uh, statewide classical music space. Now, the laundry um, has indeed, you know, it's, it's moved quite a long way away from its... Um, rather disturbing past um, and anybody who doesn't know about what Abbotsford Convent was used for back in the day can look it up online. Um, the space has been fitted with a three metre LED screen um, and I think it is going to be an absolutely stunning performance space, absolutely stunning. I can't wait to be able to share these compositions and interviews. Yeah, because uh, you just uh, said something I was going to ask you. It's uh, the conversations that we'll be holding with uh, the three uh, musicians, Aaron Wyatt, Anunga Man, an indigenous man, and Kitty Shaw and uh, Sia Ahmed. Have you got some questions you can share with us uh, that we'll be asking that night? Absolutely. So the premise of the project is that I've asked each of these com- composers um a series of questions really sort of probing um, what the motivations for the composition were. When I started, I said, I'd like to run off a single memory or a feeling. It can be a happy one, a joyous one, a regretful one, whatever it is. And then to be able to sort of provide context for the premise of the piece of music and also um, to be able to provide context on music that may not necessarily sound um, the way that classical music 
um, might sound to a casual listener. A lot of the time I feel like access to newly composed works is limited by the privilege of having been exposed to it. Um, so the aim of these um, conversations and interviews to be spaced between the compositions is to provide context and to provide a window in to being able to digest a new language. A question maybe should have been the very first one I was going to ask you because you'll put the question to your uh, to the musicians who will be performing on that night. How was it for you growing up? What was your experience growing up uh, in the world of classical music in Australia as a person of colour? Well, I grew up in Queensland and I started playing in youth ensembles in Queensland from when I was seven years old. It did not even remotely occur to me that you could play a piece of music that wasn't written by a dead white man, let alone a person of colour, let alone somebody who is on the gender spectrum. It, it just didn't occur to me. There was no no conversation. There was no window in. And um, I think that it, it's just absolutely bizarre to me the concept that our industry and our art form could possibly survive without turning to other, other places um, to look for stories and to find other stories to tell. And I do believe that it actually locks people out of being able to pursue classical music and to have the wonderful privilege of being able to play an instrument because of this. I wasn't, I must have been 18 or 19 the first time that I played a piece of music by a woman. And then it was even later than that that I played a piece of music by a person of colour. That is, in my opinion, unacceptable. And now you're playing with uh, just yeah. persons of colour, different backgrounds. How does it feel for you bringing uh, these uh, three people together and how do you see the future of classical music in Australia? Uh, it has been one of the most joyful, inquisitive and um, truly playful experiences, something that has been incredibly um formative for me in in my journey as an artist and as a musician. And also, I think, deeply affirming in knowing that there's a path forward for me and that it opens the doors, hopefully, to create a legacy of more people coming forward with their stories, more people being able to interact with this art form um, not from the outside, not feeling like they're doing it from the outside, but as sort of a collective. I can't wait, actually, to see this project continue to grow and be on the concert and to continue to commission more composers of colour and to be able to sort of collect those stories and, and tell their stories through my violin playing. Kyla, thank you very much for joining us on NITV Radio and talking to us about uh, three conversations, an event that will be taking place on the 27th of October at 7.30pm at the Abbotsford Convent. Yes, that's right. And there's only a few tickets left in the second round of selling, so please do get in quick if you'd like to come. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. 
TV radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. Welcome back. You're with NITV Radio. Hip-hop artist Radical Sun, also known as David Leaha, has recently released his new track, Until You Call My Name. Radical Sun has been in the Australian music scene for many, many years and released his first album in 2014, titled Cause and Effect. He has also performed at many events and festivals, including Blues Fest, the AFL Dreamtime Game and Uncle Archie Roach's Memorial in Melbourne in 2022. I caught up with Radical Sun to chat about his latest single and his upcoming second album, which is soon to be released in 2024. Today, I'm joined by Radical Sun, a.k.a. David Leaha, who has been part of the Australian music and hip-hop scene for many, many years and has recently released his new track, Until You Call My Name. David, thanks so much for coming on NITV Radio to chat about your new single and also about your upcoming album. Wonderful. Thanks for having me, Luana. As I just mentioned, you've recently released your new track, Until You Call My Name. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so it's... um an album that I'm very proud to release and, uh, you know, it was done with the help of my um, co-writers and uh, um, the label One Talk from Melbourne, and, as well as a number of artists that have jumped on to collaborate with me, such as Delane Briscoe and, um, um, and Emma Donovan, uh, Frankie Yammer. Name a few. And this track is part of your new album. Can you tell us a little bit more about the album and also the meaning behind the title of the album? Yes, yeah, sure. So, um, Balambia means the learning. And, uh, you know, as you were mentioned, you know, I have been here uh, for a while writing songs. I, I have released, uh, this will be the second album that I've released, but. I have written um, m- many um, more songs than just uh, the two albums that have gone public. The uh, genres that I've been a part of have changed uh, dramatically, going from from rap to um, and spoken word into singing, and 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 the singing has been evolving as well, uh, depending on who I'm working with, but also through the experience of just uh, in improving. Um, over those years. So, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still writing with integrity after almost 20 years in the game. And that energy is still there. I continue to stand and deliver. Yeah, that's awesome. And when did you release your first album? Was it 2014? Yeah, it was was a while ago. Um, uh, Cause and Effect. Mm. And uh, the, the single that we released on that album was Human Behaviour, which is a song that I still um, like to sing today. Yeah, awesome. uh, Yeah. So uh, from that original band, uh, I still um, work with uh, Marcus Longfoot, who's my, the keyboard player, who's the co-writer from Full Circle Audio in Redfern. And Until You Call My Name, how did that track come about and how long did it take to write? Yeah. Um, all of the songs were uh, recorded through COVID and um, they were written, you know, they were pretty much a couple of years in the making. And then, um, you know, of course, through COVID, uh, the process uh, had to uh, change a little. And uh, especially uh, since the uh, pro- 
the second stage of production was done in Melbourne, and they were uh, uh, heavily kind of hit with the restrictions as well. Mm. And it was number. So getting uh, session musicians and other singers in and out of the studio to lay down other parts, it just uh, really extended uh, the time frame on it. But I was inspired by, um, you know, the work that I was doing out in the country uh, before COVID, but not so much in the performing space, but more so in the workshopping and um, uh, working more so in community and helping others to uh, sing and write their songs. Interesting. Do you So you do workshops with youth, um, you know, music workshops and writing workshops? Yeah, I haven't done so much now, but back then, that's what I was mainly doing. Awesome. And recently you performed your new track at the Sydney Opera House supporting Emma Donovan. What was that like? Love Emma, love her music. And uh, I've known for uh, a while now that Emma is uh, uh, going to be a strong representation for our, our mob, our culture, and... um, Working with her has always been a treat. I've had the luxury of uh, knowing Emma since the beginning when I first started. In fact, uh, we both studied music at Eora uh, way back when. So Eora was just like a TAFE in um, uh, Redfern. And uh, and there's been a number of times I've asked her to come and join me in my songs and, and recording, backing vocals, etc., and she's always helped in that sense. But the Opera House is a very special venue and, uh, in terms of performing as an artist, and, and the sound just sounds amazing there. It's a real pleasure uh, to work in that space. And as you mentioned, you've collaborated with the likes of Emma Donovan, Lady Lash, and uh, Mao Power, you know, just to name a few people. Do you have any plans for more collabs soon? And if so, who would you like to do a collaboration with? I, I have um, done a number of collaborations. And uh, actually, one of my favourites is with Last Connection on the High Can track, uh, Brother Pat Mao. And, uh, and uh, there's been a number of his tracks uh, that I have... Um, uh, gone and uh, done backing vocals for him or uh, put a verse uh, down. But in the future, like, I really am looking um, out to help others uh, in the music space. So I, um, I have offered to uh, uh, help any, uh, well, not any, but other up-and-coming artists. But if I was to think of maybe like uh, somebody who's actually out there and doing it, um, I'm not sure. Maybe, look, I'm doing a show up in Wadia um, in a few weeks, and, and I'm, I'm actually going there in the mind of I'd like to do a collaboration there. So let's see uh, which artists or um, emerging artists uh, are there. And, uh, yeah, it could be an unheard of, or it could be... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure, but uh, I'm open to it. Yeah, awesome. And as you mentioned, you've got, uh, you know, that trip coming up. And also what's coming up next for you as in, perform, you know, will you be performing for your new album and doing doing some touring? Yeah, again, open to whatever opportunities come. And they are coming. Um, we do have a multicultural festival. We do have another festival um, 
Canberra, hopefully um, um, the Blues Fest. Uh, but uh, I'm really looking forward to to what as I just mentioned, and the Guillaume Festival on the far south coast of um, New South Wales that's coming up very soon. Finally, before we go, uh, when will your album be released? Early next year, early next year. Can't give an exact date, but uh, we have released uh, two singles leading up to it. We spoke to you, Call My Name, but uh, in recent, and just before that, we released Elder. And, um, yeah, there might be a couple of uh, other single releases to come before that album gets released early in 2024. Yeah, amazing. Well, everyone will have to keep an eye out for your new album. And thanks so much for joining me today on NITV Radio. It's been great to have you on. Much appreciated. Thank you. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV radio. And that's all we have time for on today's program. You can listen back to the show anytime online or catch any of our stories at our website at sbs.com.au. NITV Radio will be back on Wednesday with more stories from right across the country. I'm your host, Lawana Grant, Mandangor. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. 